what is what is your hope? We just talked about hope. What's your hope um, for your story reaching so many people? Well, I think my hope is that it gives people hope who feel like they have no hope. Um, the book starts out with my desire to end my life. I just hope that there's somebody out there that is reading the book that can find their way um, without committing what I had thought to do. Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome to this episode of Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan Dodge. I'm the host of the podcast. And today I am joined by Kathy Isaac and Joni Brusso. We're going to have a conversation today about um, trauma, family abuse, um, but ultimately a story of God's uh, redemption and healing uh, and faith. And so I'm glad that you joined me today for this conversation. Kathy and Joni, it's wonderful to meet you both and uh, to have a conversation with you today. Thanks for having me, having us. Thanks for having me as well. Awesome. Well, uh, Kathy and Joni, I'm going to ask you just to introduce yourselves a bit, share with our listeners anything that you'd like to uh, by way of getting to know you. Kathy, I'm going to ask you to go first to introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Kathy. I'm married to my best friend, Gary. Um, he and I have two children. Our daughter, Angela, is pregnant with our second grandchild. So um, they live on the other side of the country in Canada, in um, British Columbia. And um, we have a son as well. And he lives here in St. Catharines. And um, we're able to see him a lot. Um, yeah, Joni. Well, I don't have any immediate family. I have a church family, um, Hope E Free Church. Um, Pastor uh, James is somebody that I met when I was working in Kenya. And uh, I got close to his family there and continued that closeness out here and ended up moving from Chicago to Iowa where I'm currently living. And what I do right now is I'm working on my health. I'm a transplant hopeful. I got a living donor, I'm excited to say. And so that transplant should be happening within the next month. Wow. So, yeah. So it's a kidney transplant. And um, I've been just trying to stay alive up to this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, I'll encourage our listeners to keep you in their prayers as you uh, 
as you uh, face that uh, very hopeful future. Thank you. That's, that's wonderful, Joni. Um, so we're going to talk today um, uh, about some of the, the topics that I mentioned earlier, but really kind of coming out of uh, Joni's story. Um, Kathy, you have uh, you and Joni have a relationship. You've written this book uh, about Joni's story. So Kathy, I'm going to ask you to share. We're going to just have conversation back and forth um, to talk a bit about uh, Joni's story to give our listeners a synopsis of that, um, and then we'll we'll move to some of the specifics. So can you can you give us a, um, an overview? Of, yeah. of Joni's journey. Sure, I'd love to. Um, first of all, Joni and I met, um, I live in Canada, Joni lives in the States. Um, our church, the, the pastor from our church used to be the pastor at the church that Joni ended up um, going to in Chicago. And so um, we went with a youth group, they needed some chaperones. So we went with the youth group to um, go to um, Camp 412 in Chicago. And Joni was the director at the time. And our son was just, oh, I don't know, maybe eight years old. And he became her little companion um, at the camp. And um, so that's where I met Joni. And one day when I was walking into her office, I, um, I was listening to her as she was finishing off a conversation with her psychiatrist. And I was photocopying something or doing something. And I was trying to not eavesdrop on the conversation. And when she hung up, she briefly told me a little bit about her story. And um, I'll admit, I was very interested in the part where she um, left a multimillionaire, well-known American at the altar. Um, but the other parts of her story were so intriguing. And I just knew that this is a story that had to be told that there was so much, um, there was so much in there for everyone. Um, there was something in there for everyone. And um, just from what she had gone through to where God had already brought her was just an amazing story. And 10 years later, um, we, we've been friends for all these years. 10 years later, I said, Jody, you really need to tell your story. And then she asked, um, she said that she knew she had to, but she um, couldn't, just hadn't been working out. And so I told her that, you know, I know God provides what he needs for people to do what they want him to do. And I would write her story for her. And um, yeah, it was, um, it's an amazing story. So Joni, um, when she was, 15 had her father's child. The child was um, put up for adoption. And um, as you can well imagine, um, a lot, Joni had, um, had suffered at the hands of her father for many, many years, although she didn't recollect all of it. Um, our, our bodies are made in amazing ways. And um, she was, detached from the situations at the time. So she kind of disengaged. And so um, those memories weren't a part of her um, as she continued on. But anyway, so she had this child. Um, she had to leave home because of course the situation was bad there. Um, she searched in all the wrong places for love. And in the end, Jesus finds her. 
um, in her deepest, darkest moment. And um, God turns her life around and she becomes a missionary in Africa and um, just is able to minister to so many different people. So that's the book in a nutshell. Thank you. Uh, Joni, as, as we give our listeners a brief overview of your story, is there anything you'd like to, to add um, to um, the great synopsis that Kathy's given us or anything you'd like to share? Um, just that the second half of the book is about redemption and it's the hopeful part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, um, thank you, uh, Joni. That's important to, to keep in mind, right? That trajectory, you know, yes. uh, to, to hope and healing. Uh, so, uh, you know, Kathy, as you mentioned in Joni's story and in the book, it covers incest, sexual abuse, adoption, abortion, mental illness, and homelessness. Um, Kathy uh, and Joni, you know, please chime in too as we have this conversation. Um, wh why was it important uh, to help Joni share this story? And um, in the sharing of the story, uh, I guess this is a question for both of you, a follow-up to that. What is, what is your hope? We just talked about hope. What's your hope um, for your story reaching so many people? Well, I think my hope is that it gives people hope who feel like they have no hope. Um, the book starts out with my desire to end my life. I just hope that there's somebody out there that is reading the book that can find their way um, without committing what I had thought to do. Mm. So I hope that it gives people hope, a lot of words of a lot of words of hope in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's really what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and for me it it really speaks to so many people. Um, you may not have suffered incest, but one in three girls suffer from sexual abuse. Um, you may not have lost a child to adoption or abortion, but um, so many people have lost people in their lives. Uh, you may not be suffering from mental illness, but, you, but everybody knows what it feels like to feel hopeless from time to time. Um, and homelessness is such a big thing uh, in the country now. And I really didn't even realize how I fit into her story until after I wrote it when I was trying to figure out how I would help promote it. And um, I, I had been a uh, survivor of sexual abuse by um, a man who was like my grandfather. He wasn't related to me, but I was one in three of those girls. And um, yeah, it, it's just, you know, my story wasn't I as traumatic as Joni's. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew my whole life that I was loved and that Jesus loved me. And I think that changed my trajectory. But, but certainly, people can find themselves in this book. Yeah. That's a great way to put it, Kath. Um, 
So, uh, Joni, in your story, um, and again, you, you thank you for for kind of highlighting hope and how the the, real, the second half of the book is focused on hope and and redemption and healing. Um, in your journey um, through this the story and into a place of healing and wholeness, and uh, what role did forgiveness play in that for you? Oh, that was freeing. That gave me freedom when I finally was able to forgive my mother and my father, which were at two separate times. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I didn't have to have them physically in front of me to forgive them, that I was able to do it on my own, in my own presence. I mean, my father had passed away pretty early and my mother didn't want to see me. So I had to forgive her without, you know, being in front of her or having the engagement of her. And it meant freedom for me. I wasn't locked in a jail cell of just wanting to hurt and wanting to feel hurt. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was very big and I wasn't able to do it until I found out, I found Jesus at 40 and mm. I found out that he was willing to forgive me for all I had done and continue to do. Mm. And that's what gave me the freedom to be able to forgive my mother and father. Yeah. Thank you, Joni, for that. I, I hear in that too, such a, such a wonderful, I think, biblical model of forgiveness in that um, it often is when one experiences the forgiveness of God through Christ, then one is empowered to forgive others. That's it's usually the pattern, right? We yes. experience it and we realize um, how powerful that is and what it means for our own lives. And that enables us through the spirit working in us, I believe, um, to forgive others. Uh, it, so it's not so much out of our own power, it's God uh, working through us. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, Joni, but when we first talked about the book, I asked you what you wanted the message of the book to be. And it was redemption. And yeah. I kind of find that strange that after all that you had been through and after everything that had been done to you, your redemption was such an important part of that story. Yes. Yes, Gaff. And I found that too, for, for me to forgive the man who um, abused me. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I grew up in a Christian home. I was a good girl my, my whole life. I, I knew in my head that I was a sinner, but I didn't really think I was a bad person. Um, and it was when God allowed me to feel the weight of my own sin mm. and my own real need for redemption and how that weight just was unbearable that I was able to be able to forgive the man who abused me because then I realized that if I could be forgiven for everything that I had done. And then God could forgive that man. And if God could forget, 
forgive that man than I could forgive him. It also helped me to realize that we live in a fallen world because it's one thing to, to forgive, but it's a whole nother thing to accept what's happened to you um, or what happened to me as just life happening. Mm -hmm. It just helped me to realize, you know, that we do live in a fallen world and things do happen because it was always, my theory was if there's a Jesus, why isn't he taking me? I used to um, say this prayer every night. I'm sure some of your listeners will remember it of now I lay me down to sleep, but I would pray my soul to take. Please let me die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. And he never took me. So I had a difficult time believing there was such a God. And I believed in that God and knew that he was there. And I asked him not to kill me, just to stop giving me breath. I just wanted to die and um, yeah, to stop living. Yeah. We want to thank you for joining us here at this podcast, Hope for the Agora. Agora Network Ministries is continually growing, and we thank you for your support. Agora Academy is something that has just taken off during this COVID season. We have developed a series of educational programs, seminars, workshops, and conferences to assist those in need for greater education to achieve better mental wellness. We've partnered with health professionals, faith leaders, educators, organizations, and other ministries to create a variety of curriculum that provides support to the faith community with resources, training, coaching for greater mental wellness. So come check us out at agoranetworkministries.com and look up Agora Academy. You're gonna find a self-directed course on mental health first aid that's delivered with easy to follow modules And Laura Bruno, registered psychotherapist and professor, leads Building Resilience. It's an eight-week course where you will dive deep into the different diagnoses, treatment options, and practical skills that will help you and your loved ones understand various mental health issues. And finally, we appreciate your financial support to continue the ministry in helping the church deal with the stigma of mental health within its walls. Just go to agoranetworkministries.com and you'll see a donation button there. And now back to Evan Roars Dodge and our podcast for today. Well, you, you both have touched on this, but maybe, maybe there's a bit more that you would like to say um, in both of you in your, in your journeys and is in your journeys of, you know, continued healing and hope and uh, finding uh, restoration in Christ. Um, what role does your faith play in all of that? And I know we've, we've, we've hit at that, but maybe if you could just pull out one or two ways that you find your faith enabling you even now in your daily life um, to make sense of and to, to find continued healing from things that have happened in your past. Um, I would say that... Uh finding Jesus was just an amazing journey for me. Um, 
I was on the streets of Chicago, um, homeless, and somebody gave me a tract. Mm-hmm. And I always kept that tract. It was one where there was a big chasm in between two mountains, and it had the cross as your way to get over to a holy God. Mm-hmm. And I know people don't think those um, those tracks work for people, but I kept mine for years as a homeless person. And that's what came, that's what brought me to the Lord. So finding out when you're in that situation that, um, that God does exist mm-hmm. and that he is real, that by the time I was ready to take my own life, which is when I really came to the Lord, um, I was able to stop because of a family that took me in and told me that God was real mm-hmm. and that he was there for me now, even though I had done an abortion and thought that I was totally unforgivable, that he was able to forgive even that. Mm. And um, so God's fingerprint was on my life throughout many of these situations that I found myself in. And um, that's what I'm excited about. I, I see his thumbprint even now as I'm going through this mm. transplant process you know, it's like, I, I would, some people say, don't you ask, why is it you, you know, is it you all the time? And it's like, no, he's going to teach somebody by what he's putting me through. He's teaching me and he'll teach somebody else. And so it's become something of a positive instead of a negative. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Kathy, how about, how about you? Yeah, the, I think the difference between our two stories is that Jody's home growing up wasn't a faith-based home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she found Jesus later on. I went through my whole life going through what I went through, um, knowing that Jesus was there and that he loved me and um, reaching out to him when I was... Um, just a little girl. I remember um, I had to give up my bed. We had relatives staying um, for night and um, I was sleeping beside a fireplace. It was summer. It was a cold fireplace and I was scared and I asked Jesus for a sign to show me that he was with me Mm -hmm. and suddenly out of nowhere a fire broke out into the fireplace and as quickly as it came, it went away. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. so I knew Jesus was there. So no matter what happened to me, I always knew that Jesus was with me. Um, and I, you know, un- until I was in my mid-30s, I suffered from bouts. It wasn't a constant wanting to die, but bouts mm-hmm. of, of not wanting to live. Um, but again, when I reached that point where I realized my own real need for redemption, that I was able to give that up. And um, since then, I've 
you know, those desires are gone and Jesus has been with me and just what he's allowed to, me to do from that point on, like Joni said, it's freedom. It's freedom to yeah. live, yeah. freedom to live for him. Something that, that, that I'm struck by with both of your stories is, I mean, I think this is so key um, that, you know, you, you found hope, healing. Um, Joni, as you were sharing just now, the word that came to my mind was rest, that, that you're able to rest in the promise and the goodness of God. Yes. Um, and, um, but at the same time, you, you all experience those that, you know, that that doesn't make everything easy. Nothing is completely perfect now. I'm sure that there are times when things from your past kind of come up. Um, and, and, um, and so, uh, but even, even in the midst of that, you're still able to live into um, the healing that you found in Jesus. And uh, yes. that's a beautiful story. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break and I'll be right back with my guests, Kathy and Joni. I'm back with my guests, Kathy and Joni. We're talking about um, their stories of, uh, of incest, sexual abuse, and homelessness, mental illness, and then a journey into redemption, healing, and ultimately hope found in Jesus Christ. I, I want to ask both of you um, what your experience of the church has been um, as you have uh, lived out this journey that you have been on and how the church can be a place of safety and healing for people who have suffered uh, family trauma. Joni, you want to go first? Yes. Um, I came to my first church when I was 40 and uh, all of this had already happened. Um, and I was afraid to share it. I was afraid to share anything about an abortion because people are so against it in the church. And I always wondered, how are you supposed to come into a church and be forgiven when you have things that you're afraid that they're not gonna forgive you for? Mm. And um, I found that when I came to Hope, this last church that I've been at, they've got all gotten a copy of the book. And that helped me. That helped me share the things that had gone on with me and have them have a better understanding instead of just Joni had an abortion um, of why she had an abortion and how it came to be. And um, yeah. so I think judgment is the thing that I think that churches have right now that I wish they would alleviate some of their judgment, especially when the Lord tells us not to judge. But it's hard. I don't feel like the church is, is taking care of people with, as you say, family trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it's always, why aren't you in touch with your sisters? Instead of listening to what my story is, they're like, you know, the Lord can, can fix that relationship between you and your sisters. And I believe he can, but I believe he chooses not to at this point because my sisters choose not to. So there's only so much you can do on one side, then the other side has to reciprocate. Um, 
But when I've given the church a chance, like especially with this last church with the book, I can't tell you how wonderful it was. I mean, people who were in their 80s are reading the book and coming up to me and just hugging me and loving on me. And that's what I think should be done with people who who suffered family trauma is the greatest commandment that there is to love one another. And um, I hope that the church becomes more open to um, having people come in and realize that they're fallen people as we all are. We just don't always look at ourselves as fallen people, but we are. So that's what I have to say, Kath. Yeah, and I, um, I, again, my situation was a little different. I grew up in the church. It happened with somebody not from my church, but from um, a, saint, a church in the same town as myself. When it happened to me in the 60s, early 70s, um, my parents, my parents did find out about it and they were told, um, so he came to our house, he apologized for hurting me. He didn't intend to hurt me and then left. And I had no idea what he had said to my parents before they brought me up um, to hear his apology. So we never spoke about it again until I was 36. And when I asked my mom why we never spoke about it, she said, well, they were told now that it's been done and taken care of, we'll just leave it alone and she'll be fine. And I'm guessing they were listening to the people from the church and their friends and the people at the time. I mean, my parents were in their early 30s at the time, right? So um, I was a second child. They were young. What did they know? It was these kind of things weren't really talked about in the church. Yes. Um, but now things are changing. Um, we're talking about mental illness, um, but it's not, and we need to take care of the people for sure. Remove the children from that situation and talk to them. They, they, they need, there needs to be open dialogue, certainly with the victims but also with the people who were victim, victimizing us um, because they have their own set of challenges that need to be dealt with. And we all know Jesus is the best place to go to deal with your problems. So um, there needs to be a lot of dialogue. And I'm glad to see that the churches and um, Agora Ministries and are reaching out to the churches and starting to open that discussion because I think it's if, if we just hide it and close the door, it's not going to get resolved. And talking about mental illness, I still feel that way. When I go into a church, I'm bipolar and a lot of people feel, you know, if I just prayed enough, mm -hmm. God would take care of it. Jesus can heal it. Once again, I believe Jesus can heal it, but I also believe he can let it go. We live in a fallen world. And I keep saying that because 
otherwise, what is the what is the point of all of these things happening to you? And I just see that he can use it to um, to make you a better person and to heal even in your church. But I often hear that from people when I say that I have a mental illness that it can be solved by Jesus. And I hope that the church gets away from that and realizes that there are definite mental illnesses out there that yeah. need to be medicated. Right, mm -hmm. right. And, yeah. and we wouldn't say that to, uh, necessarily to people who have cancer, like you're not being healed because you didn't right. pray hard enough. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. And um, my, my experience has been that theology like that ends up uh, re-victimizing people because the implication is if you're not healed, then you're somehow deficient in faith. Yes. Right? So it's once more, it's your problem. It's your fault. You're the reason this isn't happening. And um, I think that that could not be further from biblical theology. You know, And there were disciples who had medical issues and Jesus, like they walked with Jesus and Jesus didn't heal them. Like, yeah, that's right. He didn't that's heal right. everybody he came across. Yeah. So um, one of the things that 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 I see as a, as a sort of common thread in both of your stories is this idea of resiliency, uh, perseverance, um, and that's a that's an emphasis of Agora Network Ministries this year. So uh, just um, by way of wrapping up, if maybe you both could share. Um, how, how do you find that inner strength, that resiliency um, to continue to do um, the types of ministry that you're doing to, to share this story um, and to, uh, to show that there is hope and healing in Jesus Christ? Resilience to me is knowing that Jesus is alive, mm -hmm. that he's working in me and working in everyone else, and he's not He's not some dead God. He mm -hmm. is alive and um, inside me. And he's the reason that I keep going. He's the reason I keep going. My uh, transplant is only one of my um, physical ailments at this time. And it just keeps seeing that there's just something else. Every day there's now I'm walking with a cane and it's like, you know, when is this going to go away? Well, it's going to go away when I'm in heaven with him. And up to this point, I'll walk with the cane. I'll get the transplant and I'll go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That beautifully said, um, Jesus, we rest in Jesus. We, we lean on him to be resilient and to continue going through life. And this life isn't perfect. It isn't, well, it's not that it wasn't meant to be originally, it was meant to be, but it's not, we won't be perfect in this world. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we go in the hope in through Jesus that the next world um, will be and that we will be able to rejoice in the presence of our Lord. Um, yeah. And yeah, just do his work, do what he needs us to do in this world. 
whatever yep. our whatever the obstacles are because all of us have obstacles they're that's just right. not the same obstacle that's right yeah well, I have been blessed by this conversation. I've learned so much from both of you, and uh, I know that our listeners will be blessed by it as well. And it is my hope and prayer that they will um, do what both of you have done, which is find that the source of resiliency uh, is in Jesus Christ. And so we're grateful for that. Um, Joni and Kathy, uh, if anyone is interested in buying the book and finding out more about your story, is there a website they can go to? How can they how can they connect um, connect with both of you? Yeah, you can connect with me at kathyisaac.com, K-A-T-H-Y-I-S-A-A-C.com. Um, the book is available everywhere you can find a book. It's um, online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, in Canada at Chapters Indigo, even Walmart and Target online. Um, sell it. Uh, the ebooks are available at Amazon and Google Play, and the publisher Word Alive Press in um, Canada is where you can get copies as well. Kathy, can you remind us just of the title of the book? The book is Don't Tell Finding Home After Family Betrayal. And uh, yeah, it's because we were you know, silenced. We were told not to tell. And um, I just want to encourage anybody who's in that situation, who can see yourself in Joni's story to tell. Mm. Because, um, that's, that's where you'll find freedom. Yeah. Uh, Joni and Kathy, any final words? No, just thank you for having me. I appreciate that whatever we can have a discussion about the book. Yeah. Um, so I thank you for for doing this. Oh gosh, yeah. well, well, thank you. I have been blessed by both of you, and um, am am encouraged once again that um, in Jesus Christ we find not necessarily every answer to every problem, but we find all that we need. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Thanks very much. Well, God bless you. God bless you both. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.